my buddy Ray was such a great friend for so many years. He was the kind of friend that we laughed, like laughed all the time. He was hilarious. I love being around my buddy Ray. But did you have any friends, like when you were making that transition from being a kid to being a teen, do you have any friends that kind of didn't get the memo about taking a bath regularly and using deodorant? That was my buddy Ray. I mean, he was so fun to be around, but but Ray stunk. I mean, really bad. I can remember my dad saying, you need to introduce Ray to deodorant. So Ray had this issue. <laughs> he just couldn't care less about bathing when he hit those teenage years or using deodorant. Until one day, Ray made a magnificent discovery. This discovery transformed his life completely. Do you know what that discovery was? Girls. Girls. Like, you could tell Ray, Ray, you need to take a bath. You need to take a shower. He could care less. He wasn't used to it. He wasn't going to take none of it. And then all of a sudden, he discovered one day girls. And you didn't have to say anything to Ray anymore. He loved it. He was so into hygiene. It was incredible. It transformed his life. Everybody, I want to talk about something today. A lens, a filter, much like my buddy Ray had this discovery one day that transformed his life and got the stink out. Okay. It can kind of do the same thing with us. Today, we're talking about the survival of the friendliest. Welcome to find your people. Now, last week, last week, we said the Bible puts a major emphasis on people priority, prioritizing people. Right? We covered that, we covered that last week in week number one. It's really important because we said in the Gospel of Luke, which is what we're going through, we're going through this great letter written by Luke, right? And he says in Luke chapter three, he reminds us of Genesis 22. And Genesis 22 is a very disturbing story in the Bible, a very important story, but disturbing story if it's not studied real closely, okay? So I'll refer you to last week if you want to check that out. But basically what Genesis 22 is saying is you need to prioritize God and at the same time prioritize people. And there will be a struggle. Matter of fact, as Abraham's tested in that, there'll be a struggle, but you got to figure it out. Hey, if God is your priority, then people are going to be your priority. In order to get right with God, you got to get right with people. So, okay, we covered all that last week. It is a primary message in the Bible. Now, I want to come back to that thought I just said right there. Primary message of the Bible. What is the primary message of the Bible? I would have to say that a lot of people, like me, kind of felt for a long time that the primary message of the Bible is how to get into heaven and how to stay out of hell. But I want to suggest today that maybe, maybe the primary message of the Bible is how to live a righteous life. Now, what does the word righteous mean? Well, it basically means the test that Abraham went through that we talked about last week. How to have a right relationship with God and how to have a right relationship with people. And I always thought about the word righteous meaning, how can I be right with God? And then the, you know, the people part, okay, whatever, but you gotta be right with God. But that word righteous really means how to be right with God and at the same time being right with people. And that struggle that will all go through between the two. Now, Luke starts off with two righteous people. There were two righteous people, chapter one. And then as you go on in the book of Luke, you see that there's more righteous people that were introduced to. And then when you get to Luke chapter three, which is our text for today, this is what it says. It talks about salvation, but notice how it does it. Luke chapter three, I want to begin in verse number two. It says, the word of God 
came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the country around the Jordan and he's preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth. Now check this out. And all people will see God's salvation. Now here's what we're told right after that. The crowds of people were coming out to the wilderness, to the Jordan River, to John, crowds of people. And they were saying, okay, John, what do we do? Tell us what to do. How do we get saved? What do you... What do you want us to do? How do we experience this salvation? And what's amazing is John says, in order to experience this salvation, you got to get right with people. That's amazing. Now, I want to gently emphasize something right here. I am all down for heaven. Like, I love heaven. I want to go to heaven. I think heaven is awesome. I'm 100% for heaven. But I gently want to emphasize to you this point. John says when he is asked, how do we experience this, John? Three times in succession right after that, he says, you got to get right with people. You got to get right with people. You got to get right with people. Matter of fact, two times in the book of Luke, Jesus is asked, how do I experience eternal life? And in both of those occasions, Jesus says, you want to experience eternal life? you got to get right with people. And here's what I want to suggest to you. The Bible is not a book with a primary message about getting to heaven and staying out of hell. The Bible is primarily a book about how to be righteous, how to have a right relationship with God, and how to have a right relationship with people. The Bible, everybody, is a relationship book. So the Bible is a relationship book. And when we view it through that lens, rather than a book that tells me how to get to heaven and how to stay out of hell, it becomes really relevant. It becomes practical. It becomes powerful. It it comes alive. Oh man, it just does all kinds of stuff. So here's the question for the day. Do you have a righteous routine? Do you have a righteous routine? Now, what do I mean by that? A righteous routine means, do you have a routine that makes people a priority? Because clearly the Bible is saying that we need to make people a priority. I mean, it's really, really important for us. Like the Bible opens with the words, it's not good for us to be alone. So the Bible puts a huge emphasis on people. But do you have a routine for connecting with people, for having deep, meaningful relationships with people? Because this is what the Bible is leading us Toward. So that is what this whole series, really, everybody, is all about. Now, elevator speech. We've all heard of elevator speeches before. you got to summarize something that's really big in just a small amount of time. So what is your elevator speech about the Bible? If you had to summarize the Bible in 30 seconds or less, how would you summarize it? Now, for me, if somebody turned to me in an elevator and have less than 30 seconds and said, hey, could you do me a favor? Can you summarize the entirety of the Bible? I would have said for years, after Bible college, after growing up in church my whole life, after getting a master's of divinity in seminary, I would have said, 
It's a message from God about how to get to heaven and how to stay out of hell. Now, I'm not quite sure how I miss this. But when Jesus is asked the same question, he's asked in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this same question, and he summarizes all of it. And here is his summary. He turns to the person in the elevator and says, it's about loving God and loving others. It's about loving God and loving others. And when you think about it, if you're familiar with this famous thing in the Bible called the Ten Commandments, those Ten Commandments are basically about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. The Bible is a relationship book. High priority on relationships, and then it tells us how to have great relationships, how to navigate relationships so that we can have a meaningful, fulfilled, wonderful life. So when John is asked, how do I experience John the Baptist? How to experience eternal life? Jesus, how do I experience eternal life? It says, get right with God by getting right with others. The Bible, everyone, is a relationship book. Now, Couple of things I want to point out to you from our primary passage today in Luke chapter three. You see the words word mentioned, meaning God's word, the Bible, and then water mentioned, and then they're out in the wilderness. I want to focus for a second, just real briefly on water, because the Bible begins Genesis chapter one with water, and it ends in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, with water. What is this water? And then they do all these ritual washings. What is going on with that? That's where I get the idea of routine from. Because you're encouraged to wash ritually over and over and over and over. What does that symbolize? Well, the water is the word and we are to wash in it all the time. And the word is about relationships and we are to implement the priorities and the principles of relationships through washing in the word all the time. Now, with that being said, that's where the routine comes from. I want to dig down deeply into this word that Luke chooses to use so much. (laughs) 76 times in the Gospel of Luke, he uses this one word I want to read to you, Luke 3, 4. It says, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. This is what we need to do. Who is this Lord? It's a Greek word. Kurios. Kurios. Now, I want to tell you what this word means. What are we preparing our way for? We're preparing our way for the Lord. Who is this Lord? Well, this word literally means supremacy. It means a supreme power, a mighty power, a master, a ruler, somebody who is almighty in charge. It means somebody who is the controller. Okay. You need to make way for the Lord almighty in your life. Okay. That's what this word means. Now, how does knowing the meaning of this very, again, Luke really loves this word. He uses it 76 times in Luke, and he uses 102 times in the book of Acts. Luke writes most of the New Testament, a third of the New more than anybody else, okay? And he chooses to use this word a lot. Lord, how does knowing that the Lord, Jesus Christ Almighty, right, is the supreme, mighty ruler, master, and commander, how does it transform your life relationally? There's the question. Okay, so that's great to know what the Greek word for Lord means, but we're not interested in the Greek word for Lord because Luke is quoting Isaiah and Isaiah is written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word that's being quoted there in Isaiah 40 is the word Yahweh. 
Yahweh. And Yahweh means something very different than the Greek word for Lord. And this is what we need to know. What does the word Yahweh mean? What does that Hebrew word mean? It means the fully present one. It means the one who is giving you their undivided attention. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Because what we're suffering with in our world is, is being fully present. Because we have a hard time being fully present anywhere. Even when we're with people, we're on our phones. Even when we're with people, we're distracted. We're never really there, right? We're never really showing up. We're always kind of somewhere else or something. We're not fully engaged. And so, Lord, what does that have to do with your relationships? It has everything to do with your relationships. Are you fully present? What I have found interesting is that the studies show for the past 30-some years, friendships have been imploding while mental health problems have been exploding, exploding. And the two are tied together. They go hand in hand because the better your connections, the deeper your friendships, the healthier they are, the better your mental health is going to be. The better your physical health is going to be, the better your emotional health is going to be. There are study after study to show that. And I mentioned some of them last week. So how can we be more fully present like the Lord is for you and for me? How can we reflect that in our own lives, in our own relationships. This is what we need to do. Now, on our resources there at the bottom of the notes, I have Platonic by Dr. Marissa Franco. And she quotes in her book, which is excellent, lots of studies she puts in there, highly recommend it. She quotes Lydia Denworth in her book, Friendship. And this is what Denworth says. People think all the time about competition and survival of the fittest. But really, it's survival of the friendliest. That's where I got the title of the message. Friendship, she says, is the key to us living long and happy lives. Friendship. You take a scientific look at this. Friendship is the key to living long and healthy, happy lives. It is the key. That's why the Bible is a relationship book. All of us want to be healthier physically, mentally, emotionally, in every way possible. No one does not. I want to be unhealthy, right? No, no, we all want to be healthy. So therefore, we need to focus on our relationships, and then we need to see that what the Lord is saying to us is be fully present. Make that a routine. So why am I talking about a righteous routine? Because our routines are not about being fully present, and we need to change our routines righteousness is all about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And to have a righteous routine means you're prioritizing your relationships to reflect the Lord who is fully present. Can you make a routine out of being fully present for the important relationships in your life? This is important if we want to live long and happy lives, according to Denworth, okay? Franco talks about super friends. And the thing about super friends is they have good habits, They have this righteous routine in place. When they are in situations where they have an opportunity to connect with somebody, they are fully present. That is their habit. That is their routine. And because of that, they did much better during the COVID pandemic. They are doing much better with mental health and emotional health and physical health. This is what Franco is saying. Super friends are simply people who are fully present when it's important during those most important moments for them to be fully present. They are people who smile. They are people who say hello. And they're people, instead of looking at their phones, they're looking in other people's eyes. Now, here's what Franco says. 
People think tiny acts like saying hello can't have colossal consequences for their life, but they can. One hello can be the difference between being lonely and finding your best friend. Now, she cites studies and examples where people just show up to connecting events and they say, you know, I'm just going to smile. I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to put out the welcome mat, so to speak, and I'm going to be ready to connect. And they find themselves more often than not making the connection. She also talks about this. If you are a friend of somebody who is in whatever's out group from you, in other words, they're kind of not in your main group. Okay, it could be a Democrat who's a friend with a Republican over here. Their main group is Democrats, but they have a Republican friend over here. Or you pick any other group that you want to do. They say that you could be a change agent. Now, we all know we're dealing with polarization. And so she says, don't underestimate the power of that person being the bridge between the polarization. We need more bridges, okay? And she says, just because you're friends with that one person, it changes your view on that entire group. And you carry that back to your group. And now you have a bridge being built, voila, polarization is diminished, which is what we need. We need a better understanding. Now, how about this one? On college campuses in dorms, who are the students living in those dorms who have the most amount of friends, statistically speaking? It's the people who live towards the center, the people who live on the end of the hallways and rub shoulders the least amount with other people have the fewest friends. And the people who live in the center who are bothered all the time by the elevator or the stairs or whatever, but they have to rub shoulders constantly. You're in proximity. They are the ones that have the most amount of friends. So nobody goes to the RA or whatever and says, hey, you know what? I want more friends. So I want to live in the center. So it's a total random thing. Total random thing. But what if it wasn't random? What if you chose to be strategic about putting yourself in places and being fully present so that you connect and have great friendships? What about that? Police cadets, when they're in the academy, they found that cadets that have the first letter, similar first letter of the last name, it's like 90%. They said, well, they're my best friends. Why is that? Were they just attracted to the fact that their last names both began with the letter C? No. They sit them next to each other, right? All the C's are here and all the D's are here and all the F's are here. It's proximity. Now that again is random. What if you and I were strategic? Since the Bible is a relationship book and since the Bible says the Lord says, the fully present one, that we should reflect followers of Jesus Christ, that we should live by that example and be fully present, what if we strategically said, okay, I'm going to be fully, fully present? Harvard University professor Robert Putnam's best-selling book, Bowling Alone, which he wrote many years ago, and then more recently he wrote American Grace, says this, that people who attend church tend to, are apt to be far more relationally healthy, which is something we desperately need. This is something he talks about a lot. Now, I know that some of us have had issues with church. I've had issues with church. Okay, but the reality is with all the stuff that we hear about church and, you know, bad news is what really gets the attention that churches 
by and large, are doing a great job at helping people with a regular routine, surrounded by a book that's about relationships, the Bible, of helping people to have healthier relationships. And he says this, people who attend church are apt to having far healthier relationships and to serving more and to serving more. Now listen, if your relationships are better, this is what we know. You're going to be healthier physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You're going to be healthier. And nobody wants to be unhealthier, right? Just like Denworth said, the key to a long and happy life is friendships. It is relationships. That's the key. Now, the problem is that while our mental health crisis is exploding, right? Our friendships are imploding. And at the same time, church attendance is going down. This is just really practical now. After COVID, what we have seen is people who before COVID used to attend church on a really regular basis, 25% of them have just given up on church altogether. They're saying they're not coming back, particularly amongst young professionals, which this city, Washington, D.C., is full of. And by the way, Washington, D.C. is known as the loneliest city in the United States of America. This is a huge problem. In addition to that, D.C. has one of the lowest church attendance rates. Everybody, listen, there's no guilt trip. I'm not throwing shade on you if like today was the first day ever that you checked into a church service. That's not what this is about. I'm just talking on a real practical level. A, the Bible is primarily a relationship book, right? Primarily about that. And it's about the importance of us getting connected. And as our routines of not going to church, like back, you know, 80 years ago, 70, over 70% of America went to church and now that number's gone way down. Friendships are shrinking. Mental health crisis is exploding. They go hand in hand. This is just really practical. We have been falling away from those routine habits that help us to have better connections, which is why we are struggling with a lot of other areas in our lives. Okay. It would only make sense that it take place. Now we all say we're just way too busy, but somehow we find the time to binge watch 10 episodes in two days on Netflix, or we're out with our friends and we're mesmerized by our phones, which means we're not fully present. Or we say, you know what? I don't want to put myself in this place, or I don't want to commit to regularly going to church, or I don't want to sign up for a community group, or I don't want to sign up to serve on a team because what if something better comes along? So the lack of routine in our life for good, healthy stuff that lead to relationships, friendships, and attachment, we are undermining them with so many other things, okay? Because we have this fear of missing out, right? So I don't want to sign up. I don't want to commit to doing that. But those are the very things that are leading to relational health. And because of that lack of routine, righteous routine, we are undermining the health of our own lives, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, okay? So we have to put that routine in place and I'm not allow that to undermine. I want to end with this, okay? This is a story about a guy named Sam. Sam's an atheist, but Sam goes to church every single week. And people ask Sam, Sam, why do you go to church every week? He says, Sam says, I go to church every week with my buddy Charlie. Charlie goes to church to talk to God, and I go to church to talk to Charlie. Listen, we're a church for people who don't go to church. Grace is a place that understands that the primary message of the Bible is about righteousness, 
is about having a better relationship with God and people, prioritizing people. I prioritize people because I prioritize God. We want to build a community, a place that treats others with respect. I want to encourage you to make being part of places, routines, places that foster community. And when you're there, to be fully, fully present, just like the Lord. I want to ask you in conclusion to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ by being fully present. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that your word clarifies really powerful, practical, relevant things to our lives. They change us. They transform us. God, help all of us. We all struggle with this. I struggle with this. Help us all to be fully present, especially in those moments when it really, really counts. In Christ's name, amen.